I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Move, a podcast which is hosted by me, Jamie Lang, and my business partner, Ed Williams. Now, in 2012, Ed and I founded our confectionery business, Candy Kittens, a business which I'd actually dreamed of having ever since I was six years old. And honestly, we wouldn't have achieved half of what we've been able to without all the amazing tips and advice we picked up along the way. Move stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entrepreneurship. And each episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the stories of founders, innovative thinkers, entrepreneurs and winners who show us all what's possible with hard work and focus. So whatever you're moving towards, we hope today's guests will open your eyes to what you can achieve. This is Move. Edward, how are you, my friend? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm feeling fantastic. Actually, actually, I am feeling fantastic. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. I woke up this morning a little bit of a tummy ache, you know. How it really? Is. It's a little bit cold. I woke up this morning feeling pretty excited. Because today, we've got our first Olympian. We have our first Olympian. Our first ever Olympian. I'm not sure I've ever met an Olympian before. Hey, well, you haven't lived. Yeah. I, I've met an Olympian before. I've met one Olympian, Jamie, um, who's also a snowboarder, which is pretty cool. Now, we have Amy Fuller on today. Amy Fuller is a two-time Olympian, uh, first woman to land a double in a competition at the X Games. Unbelievable. Was also ranked third in the world in the Big Air World Cup Tour Super Series. Her most recent achievement is she ran her first marathon in North Korea and filmed a fronted documentary in the process, Running in North Korea. Ten days... Get this at 10 days before running the London Marathon. As if running the marathon in North Korea wasn't enough. She just came home and ran one in just London. Just ran another marathon. So true. And Amy's awesome. She is uh, a girl that was on the front of the Red Bull can for the whole of 2014. She's been on billboards in China. She is an ambassador for brands like Tag Heuer, Roxy. Really, I mean, I think it's probably fair to say the poster girl for, for snowboarding, really, totally, in totally. the UK, right? And also, actually, just going on that, I mean, being on the can of a Red Bull, that's like my dream. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool, Pretty yeah. cool. I mean, Amy grew up in the UK. She went to school in Northern Ireland, grew up in Kent. She now lives in London, but she is killing it on the world snowboard stage. Loads and loads of interesting stuff to talk about here, I think. Yeah, she's an amazing po- a person. She's positive. She's infectious. She's all these kind of things. Ed, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Amy Fuller, on move. Amy, welcome to the podcast. So good, so good to have you. Our very first Olympian. Thank you so much for having me. Man, you're Olympian. Pretty that exciting. Is like, that is like the most. That is like the it's, old. It's the ultimate achievement, right? It's the ultimate achievement. Yeah. I feel. When I when I sort of like say if I'm to like remove myself and, and look at what I've done, I'm like, really? I went to the <laughs> Olympics twice. You know, it's quite surreal because it's you know as a kid, it it is. It is something that you dream of, or, or yeah. something I dreamed of. Um, so f- for it then to like happen, and then to go twice, it's um, yeah, it's been it's been quite the roller coaster. So of- so incredible. I mean, for, it feels pretty kind of 
you're kind of one of those moments where you're like, shit, we're meeting an Olympian today. That's pretty big. That's what, huge. What are, what are we doing with our lives? It's pretty cool. But also, I mean, with you, right, you said that it was a dream your whole life, but when do you, because... Okay, when I was younger, right, I used to play football, okay, yeah. uh, or I used to play rugby and things like that, and I would go, God, it would be, and you get those people, those American football players or those baseball players or those footballers or those golfers who, who've envisaged that moment when they had that final shot to say, that's the moment, I, I, as a kid, I was there, I knew, I kind of had those moments, but it was never, it was more imaginary, I never visualised it to the point where I thought it was realistic, right, but yeah. you said that you, as a kid, you always wanted to be there, you always wanted to be Olympian, or did you kind of just... Did you always think that was going to happen? I never thought it was going to happen. Um, growing up, I always loved sport. From the age of four, I did gymnastics. I, I skied uh, at Bromley Dry Ski Slope. <laughs> <laughs> age four, um, I did motocross um, sort of from age six. I had a quad bike at four. And um, I was always very much immersed in sport. And, and in school, I loved sport, whether it was cross country, whether it was lacrosse or... Um, anything like sign me up for it and you know like my vision was to be involved in sport in some capacity so when I was a little bit younger it was it was quite an extreme contrast it was either I wanted to be a PE teacher because I thought that was achievable um you know <laughs> yeah, a, so AJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um because I really liked my PE teacher at the time or a weather woman um so yeah, a weather woman. <laughs> yeah, quite the extreme <laughs> contrast. But if you kind of think about it and you merge the two, um, snowboarding is in the extreme elements, um, and then the PE side of things. You combine the two, sort <laughs> of, but not quite. Um, you know, I found my passion point, which is snowboarding. That's it. So you were a bit of a tomboy, right? Yeah, I, I suppose you could you could say that um, mud sand castles in the back garden, anything with wheels, anything fast. Um, I just loved it. Because that's funny, right? Because, um, you know, stereotypically, you know, you stereotypically as when I was younger. So when I was, and things have changed now for sure, but when I was younger, I went to an all boys boarding school. So I was just always surrounded by boys. But when I went to a co-ed school, I played football, I played all these different sports. But if one of the one of the girls came over and wanted to play with us, we wouldn't allow them to play because they were one of the girls. And that's kind of what happened. So for you, you were always involved in the sports. You wanted to play everything. Did you have brothers? Did you, were you, I reckon you were better than the guys at most of the sports. <laughs> um, I do have a younger brother, Josh, mm -hmm. who... Um, I suppose you could say he he was extremely talented or is extremely talented, um, but just so chilled out. Whereas I always had this like inner fire to just you know like do do more and and be better at at those things that I loved. Um, so in terms of like talking about the Olympics, it was never really it never seemed achievable. Uh, especially as when I started snowboarding, the discipline that I competed in wasn't in the Olympics and it was sort of presented as they've introduced, yeah. in 2012 they introduced slope style into the Olympics and it was like, oh, wow, you know, I, I am making a living of this currently. I compete at X Games, I've competed at World Cups, competed internationally for sponsors, different brands and suddenly it was like, oh, wow, the sport that I love is now in the Olympics. So if I play my cards right, I, I, I can go, uh, which is obviously a complete game changer. Amazing. And what was the sort of journey to the Olympics like then for you? So kind of how did you possibly start on that? Actually, um, 
it was a complete roller coaster, and and not many people know about that roller coaster. So at the time, so I was sixteen, uh, and I got my first sponsor, which is Roxy, and I've been with them now for thirteen years. Wow. So it's my longest standing sponsor. And if anyone doesn't know what Roxy is, that's uh, like the sister company to Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like. As as a young girl, it was like wow, you know, like that 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 was everything I could ever imagine. You know, getting my first free jacket, I was like, whoa, <laughs> you're giving me a coat to wear for free, and you're flying me to Switzerland. So all of that in itself was surreal. But uh, and and sorry, I mean, that, that's do you do you, did you need a sponsor in order to yeah? So that's what you need. And how, can you explain that? Yeah, one hundred percent. So um, you've got the international snowboarding circuit and to be able to travel and afford to travel and compete professionally or snowboard professionally, um, you, of course, need the support. And at the young stages, that comes from sponsors, uh, unless your parents pay for it. But I was very lucky to get noticed at age 16. So then I was in the mix and it's like it's there for you if you play your cards right, jump over the right hurdles, achieve the right results. Um, and then you can make a career out of it. Is it is it expensive to do it? So say because you, if you say your parents just want to fund you to do it, it must be expensive, right, to fly around oh, the yeah. world and do different things. I would say like, you know, probably the minimum you could do it for is like sixteen grand. You know, on on a professional level, like the minimum As in per year or what? Yeah, or, yeah, per year. So it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it, lot. To- it totally is. Um, but I was very lucky to be in the right place at the right time and had the fundamentals and, and they saw my potential. So got my first sponsor at 16, joined the GB junior team, um, had quite a successful run in various events. And yeah, I was the first uh, woman to land a double in the X Games. Yeah, that's badass. Um, so... <laughs> Going to like the Olympic qualif- going through the Olympic qualification, it was kind of like, oh yeah, Amy, Amy will be fine, you know. Like, she's got a year and a half to qualify, and to qualify, you need to be in the top twelve, and you need no top twenty-four, and you need two top twelve results. That was for the twenty fourteen games in Russia, and at the time, that seemed very achievable. However, it wasn't quite the consistent journey that people had envisaged for me um, due to various injuries. And I think maybe the fact that I had got sidetracked by, you know, wanting to achieve a world first, the X Games, you know, the the lights, the cameras, it's it's a big deal in action sports. It's, it's the biggest event there is before the Olympics. So I sort of considered the Olympics to be you know, just, oh, that's fine, I'll just do it. I'm kind of in the mix. And, and it, it couldn't have been any worse in terms of uh, the process I had to go through to get there. I was injured in the first <laughs> event. I separated my AC joint. Uh, second event, I'd done my rotator cuff on the other side. So it was like, it was sort of survival mode kicked in. Uh, there was a contest in Russia which got cancelled. One in New Zealand got cancelled. So this is over a full season. So I'd missed about four events and it was 2013 November and the Olympics is 2014 February. So I had you know a few months to play with and I was in like 42nd in the world rankings and I had to bump myself into the top 24 in two contests. So 
it was like the pre-Olympic media day, the ski show in Battersea. I'm sure you guys have... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know well. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. So um, the day before they do a press day, so it's like the BBC and everyone come down and everyone's like, oh, you know, Amy, are you excited to go to the Olympics? And I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I've not qualified. And my mum told me one thing and that was, you're going unless someone tells you otherwise. So I sort of adopted that positive mentality without even realising the process that I had to go through in December and January. And in December, it was Copper Mountain in Colorado, minus 30, 70 girls in the field. I needed top 12 or better. And I got 11th. <laughs> and then it was Christmas. And then there was two weeks before the Games and it was the last World Cup. And I was in like then 28th or something. And I needed top six or better out of a field of 40 in Quebec, in Canada. And you can imagine the pressure. It's like you have two runs to land. And if you don't land, you know what it's like. You ski or snowboard, you fall over like that. You know, it's one of those sports and it's volatile. It, it's, it's aggressive. Anything can happen. And I fell on my first run. And it's like, oh, my God, Amy, what are you doing? Like, if you don't land this, you're not going. And everyone, you know, like the pressure of everyone, my sponsors at the time. So it all comes down to that one uh, yeah, run. Yeah, one run. <laughs> and um, one of my really good friends, Tora Bright, she's like absolute legend in snowboarding. Someone who I looked up to when I watched the TV when I was younger and I saw it and I was like, wow, I'd love to do that. She's five years older than me. And uh, she's like, Fuller, you got this. And she's standing at the top and we were dancing. We were like, got a bit of Lady Gaga on, just like <laughs> pumping the vibes and dropped in stomp my run and like everything I'd visualized the process I just couldn't believe it yeah I landed ended up in fifth and um yeah that secured my my first place in the Olympics which was just insane after going through um that series of injuries and you know like the, the mental capacity to deal with the pressure was like something I've never dealt with before and that's totally changed me as a person especially going into tw the 2018 games that's to say can I, I just want to focus on visualization for a moment right yeah. because that's a big thing about what a lot of people do um in life and it doesn't matter if you're starting a business if you're a musician if you're a sportsman whatever it is you have to visualize what you want to achieve. And if you're not visualizing, if you don't really believe it, you, you look at all these, um, you know, I, you see people like Conor McGregor talk about how the fact that he, before his fights, he would visualize himself winning the the championship, you know, the belt. And you see uh, the famous uh, story of Jim Carrey where he wrote himself a blank check. He wrote himself a check um, for $10 million and dated it five years uh, five years in the future and in five years in the future he then got Dumb and Dumber and paid him $10 million all these different stories of like these people visualising things how important for you was visualisation and actually just going no I can do this it's fine like the time when your mum said no you're going to the Olympics yeah of course I am how important is that for you? It's so so important positive mindset um, especially in a sport that is so extreme if you can't visualize the process and putting all the chunks together so if you imagine a gymnast their floor routine essentially it's the same thing we're trying to perform a routine over an 800 meter course on ice on snow uh, doing various tricks spins different jumps and if you can't put it together in your head mentally it's just not going to happen for you really that that key oh it's insane it's like you can almost put it down to sounds you hear. So if you can close your eyes, picture each thing and how it's going to feel. You almost have to feel it. So the way 
I practiced this at an early stage without even realizing what I was doing. I guess it's something you sort of, you you build throughout your career. And um, I had this little ritual that I got into. Um, one of them was always sleeping in my contest bib, but that, that obviously wasn't the visualization. Did you, you sleep in your contest bib? <laughs> yeah, but that, that would be the, the process. I was, that's more, that's more um, superstition, right? Yeah, but from that sort of superstitious position, I would then close my eyes open the window the night before. You can imagine in the mountains like that crisp, fresh air. And I would stand by the window. It, it sounds nuts, but close my eyes, take three deep breaths and literally do my run. Like, okay, dropping in, right foot forward, left, boom, boom, jump, pop, like, and and do the run because each course changes. You know, we, we travel, you know, like week after week to various different countries and it's no course is ever the same. So you need to be able to adapt the tricks you can do to the course. So it's almost like you've got to be malleable and creative. And yeah, it's, it's all about the process of putting it together in your mind and then putting it into act. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gina, that's insane. I I I love the way you amazing. describe that. It's amazing because I I I I hey, I relate to you. No, <laughs> I I relate to certain things there because um You know, for example, with candy kittens, yeah. right? Our sweet business. Um, when I was a kid, uh, the, you know, this is totally true. Big fan, big fan, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thank you so much. You said you like <laughs> the sweet. Hear. Yeah, thank God you didn't hate that. That would have been awkward. Um, but when I was a kid, my I was scared of the dark, and my brother used to tell me stories of Jamie and Sweet World. Uh, this is totally no true. If I, you know, if, you, if I could get my brother in line, he would he would he would confirm that. And my parents didn't allow me to have sweets because I was too hyper. They actually just fed me white chocolate, actually weirdly, because they thought actually white chocolate. There's way more sugar in it. Anyway, that was stupid of them. Um, <laughs> but they, but they, they denied sweets. So I always had this fascination for sweets. And every single time that I felt um, upset or, or kind of vulnerable or whatever it was, I would sort of take myself back to this Jamie and Sweet World place. That was like my comfort place. And when I was at yeah. boarding school, I missed my parents and things like that. And it kind of comforted me, these stories. And then, you know, whatever, you know, 12, 13, 14 years later, Ed and I started Candy Kittens together because it was that visualization. You visualized it. I totally, You're a happy place. And, and also, and this is, this is totally with Ed, I have never, ever heard Ed say something is not going to work. I remember when we started the business and things went wrong and like lots of things happen. And I would always say to her, do you think this is going to happen? I'd say, yeah, of course it is. There was always no doubt in your mind that it was going to work and be right. right? Yeah, that, I think I, it's about, like you said, Amy, the positive, that positive approach yeah, is just 100%. absolutely key. And I think if you 
if you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe that you, if you don't believe it's going to happen, then who else, why should anybody else believe it? And I that's th- so important. I think it's, it's so applicable to like any phase or stage of your life. And that intense experience of kind of being like the it girl to like, whoa, I might not qualify to then qualify. It's sort of the way I approach other things now is it's just made everything so much easier, to be honest. Um, straight after the Olympics, I did my motorbike test and people were like, oh, you're not nervous. I like did this like crash course, did it in a week. And um, they're like, oh, you're not not nervous. You, you, you're going to fail. Or, you know, like, like, why would you install those negative emotions in the first place? It's like, no, I'm going to pass. And if I don't, I'll just do it again. Like, yeah. w- what does it matter? You know, like failure is only a building block to success because you learn from your failures. That is so but how I, I suppose a cynic or someone who is listening to this will find it difficult to understand how you can have such a positive mindset, especially when you're you're competing something that, that like the Olympics, where it's yeah. the world's best. How do you keep that positive mindset? How do you have that confidence in yourself to go, well, no, I'm gonna achieve this. I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna be the best. How do you keep that there? Because as you said, you can use that in everyday life. Yeah. Right. So how do you how do you have that mentality? I think it's all about people and the people you surround yourself by. Um, People are a huge drive and motivation for me. And I look up to certain people in certain things and I'm like, wow, they did it. Why can't I do it? You know, it's like picturing, again, going back to the visualization, it's like seeing the end goal and, and working out the route to get there. There's never a direct route. It's like you've got to find what works for you. And for me, that's by setting like small intimate goals that are achievable. Um, For example, relating it back to everyday life, say you wanted to start getting into going to the gym. You don't set yourself some like savage targets. You set, set, set small goals like, okay, I'm gonna try and go three times a week and I'm gonna go at a time that's most convenient the least stressful and the time where I actually have time to do it. Or you just factor it in to, to everything else and you prioritise. So, slowly build towards it. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I always go like wrong in that sense, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a learning game. You know, like, yeah, oh, you know what? I'm going to smash the gym this week. So you go Monday, Tuesday, Savage, you go at 7am and you like go hammer and tongs. But then by Wednesday, you're, you're done. <laughs> so it's like, okay, let's, let's rein it in a little bit and work on the process that's more achievable to get to the end goal. I, I, I think that's so right. I think that people um, set themselves ridiculous goals. Uh, it yeah. doesn't matter if you're, um, you know, the prime example is we always talk about this, Ed, is about viral. You know, everyone wants to do a YouTube video or a podcast or whatever it is and get that million yeah. listeners straight away, bang, like that. It, that is, it, it's, it's almost impossible, right, it, to it do that. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And it's not even necessary. I think people yeah. set them goals that they think, Okay, I want to go and own my own business. Yeah. And we speak to we Jamie and I kind of go around to some schools sometimes and universities and we meet these young people that go, Well, I just want to do what you're doing. I want to have my own company. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool, but maybe just think about the bits in between that phase first. The, the what process. is it that you want to go and learn and do? And and you know, we had a friend that opened a burger restaurant and he went to work in McDonald's first to learn how yeah, like, yeah. the best burger restaurant in the world works before you actually go and do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Life is definitely about learning. I think I'm interested, Amy, in the obviously you're sick at snowboarding. 
that's awesome. Cheers. But I think that <laughs> the whole the whole thing about that sport, unlike perhaps something like being a footballer where everything yeah. is kind of laid on for you from a no. young age, you have to make it happen yeah, yourself. Comple- and all those completely. other skills around the edges. Like what what do you think I, it was that you had that made you stand out? I've I've definitely like learned a lot from my snowboard career. You know, the two Olympic cycles. Um, going into 2018, I went in with, you know, like the sole drive to like actually focus my energy on qualifying early. I had I had my best season to date because it was the way I applied myself. I probably qualified too early, to be honest, because then it made me chill out <laughs> in the lead up to it because I didn't want to get hurt. Um, but I finished third in like the big air series. So that was a new contest that they, they introduced. And just for the people that don't necessarily follow the snowboard circuit. Yeah. You're, so you're competing every week or how yeah, long is so, the season um, and it's all around the world? So it was like to qualify for 2018, it starts in 2016, 2017 season. Um, so it started in Milan on scaffolding, big air. So really? if you imagine like... Oh, Actual scaffolding? Yeah, have you seen, do you remember the London Big Freeze event? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is what we qualified on. You go around the world and it starts in November, December, um, in inner cities it's called an inner city big air so they build it out of scaffolding and then it it drops into the mountain tour in december so it'd be in colorado and you we ended up in korea canada um italy switzerland austria yeah so back and back and forward um and you and you kind of just live in on tour yeah how does it work Pretty much uh, go from event to event, and then just living <coughs> on a bag. Yeah, pretty much. It's quite savage, actually. Um, but again, it's something that you learn a lot about yourself. You you yeah. learn how to live minimalistically. Um, you know, you you find out what's important, and it's it becomes about getting from contest to contest in the best condition possible. So yoga became a huge part of my routine. So again snowboarding has kind of like opened up another door for me in that sense you also need to learn to like manage your own travel um you know like life on the road it's a very very fast track to learning especially when you're 16 um and then also managing sponsors um you know different types of appearances um branding like creating your own brand it's yeah it's it's endless and it's it's been a fantastic place for me to learn um, yeah, some some and many who, large and who skills. Kind of, who kind of helps you with that stuff? If you're uh, looking to get your first sponsor, how do you even yeah, that's start what I'm, with something? Yeah, like how, that? how do you? That's what I'm because so, that's a real thing. You've got to really go and sell yeah, yourself and it, put yourself forward and convince kind of them that like, you're the um, right person. It's kind of like a little bit different now, but it's still the same uh, in the sense that you know, in skiing and snowboarding, you've got the main teams. You know, you've got your Red Bull, your Roxy, your Vans, and um, you know, you're like, wow, you know, I'd love to be on one of those teams. And uh, for me, it was a real goal of mine to ride for Red Bull. And um, Mm. it's about channeling everything you are passionate about, performing the best you can, working on increasing your profile um, so you're approachable. Brands want to work with positive, approachable people and successful people so you've you've kind of like you've got to build the full package and then sell yourself into a brand so um you know going to meetings meeting the the athlete managers and um yeah it's kind of a crazy process and not many people because that's like you could be that's what I'm and that's where I'm thinking you could be great at snowboarding but you're also then to be successful and go to you have to be good at that other stuff as well right like signed you know I, I went and did like three three different meetings with Red Bull. They sent me on a camp to see if I was 
you know, a good enough rider, see if I fit it in with everyone. Um, so yeah, there's not, it's not a simple process. Um, yeah, there's quite a lot to Pretty it. Pretty intense. Because that's, yeah, that's interesting because I suppose if, you know, you probably got some of your fans, some listeners who are in a similar situation that you were when you yeah. were 13, 14, 15, maybe 16, and they're trying to get sponsors. And what you're basically saying is that, <clears throat> you know, getting a sponsor isn't that simple. No. You, you have to You have to basically package yourself up yeah. in the best way possible in terms of skill, personality, um, uh, culture, everything yeah. in this thing and say, well, this is what I'm going to offer you in terms of a package. Now, do you want to sponsor me? Yeah. Because also for me, how do you even get in front of the people like Red Bull? If I'm, if I'm living in Kent where you grew up yeah. um, and, you know, you're living in a sort of, let's say you're living in a little village and you're, you're going to the local kind of dry slope and you think you're pretty good. How would you even begin to go and find a sponsor or find someone to help you out and your parents can't afford it? So how do you do it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not an easy, easy process. Um, I think now things have changed slightly in the sense that you do have Instagram and so you can post videos of yourself. You can post videos. So it's all about creating a platform and showcasing the different tricks and things you can do on there. Um, you know, you can tag brands now. You can slide into DMs of brands. Um, and, and people are approachable and findable. Whereas, yeah, 13 years ago, it wasn't so much like that. Um, I got noticed. And then through that, I met various people. And then that enabled me to travel. But it's not an easy process. I totally agree. So basically what you're saying is now you you are your CV. And and you've got people who are applying for jobs and applying for universities with UCAS and all these different things. What you have to do is, in terms of get sponsorship and things like that, you are your own CV. That's Instagram. That's your personality. That's everything. you yeah, just got to make that your the best. results, achievements. So and, everything you're doing now yeah. will be kind of like judged in terms of these sponsors. Yeah, for but sure. But it's so good that you said that because we talk about this <clears throat> a lot on the podcast. But just having that confidence to go and ask yeah. the question, yeah, 100%. talk about your idea, talk about the thing you want to achieve and just go and ask the people. So if it's yeah. about putting yourself out there on Instagram or sliding into the DMs of a potential sponsor and just asking them the question, yeah. go for it. We have those tools available. Now we can speak to anyone we want to speak and, to. And once you get one, it's almost like a chain reaction, right? So it's like... Once you're associated with something, then another brand's interested because they're like, oh, they work with that totally. person. And I think that happens in everyday life. It, right? it, it completely does. It's exactly that. Sorry to cut you off. It's so true. I think once you people, – people are naturally uh, sheep, right? They follow the shepherd. That's what happens. Oh, yeah, definitely. So when one person takes you on or one supermarket takes your product or one – team is interested in you everyone else becomes interested because someone is and, and that's totally what happens I just find it amazing and so interesting how the fact that you just had to grow up so far 16 years old you had to grow up you have to learn how to travel you have to learn how to do yoga you have to learn how to look after yourself you learn have to learn how to live with nothing in order to travel around the whole world that is what is so interesting and people don't realize 16 years old traveling around the world you have to grow up quick right oh yeah you do and it it, it definitely um, yeah, it's a positive shock to the system. You know, I've made lifelong friends uh, through, you know, doing the sport that I love. Um, and it's just opened some some amazing doors. Um, in particular, this year, I don't know if you saw, I went to North Korea. I wanted to talk to you about yeah, this. Yeah, this yeah is but, just but this, is, this is like, nuts. this is what's crazy about sport is that, you know, if you do it and 
you go to the Olympics, it opens up doors if you play your cards right. Hey, exactly. Listen, so, I'm going to stop you there for just one moment because we have to take a quick break, okay? Um, and I want to hear about your, because you did a marathon in North Korea, which is just <laughs> unbelievable. So uh, listen to everyone who's listening to the podcast, uh, click over to part two, where we're going to hear loads more from Amy. We'll see you in a bit. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.